This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. It is getting ever nearer to maybe the time when you have Christmas celebrations. Guys, do you guys have traditions that you have that you practice every year as families with regard to Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, anything like that? Christmas season? Yeah, for Christmas Eve, we we open up gifts from family members that are not local. Hmm. Oh. It's kind of like a little way to... And yeah. then we have hors d'oeuvres and things like that, a little snacky food throughout the day. And so, yeah. Which we're celebrating, this is Friday, so we're celebrating tomorrow. Yes. It's going to be our Christmas Eve. Yes. And yes. then we'll have the Lord's Day and then we'll have Christmas. Excellent. We're trying something new this year. I think <clears throat> is an Irish Christmas tradition, which is you, you give uh, books away on Christmas Eve, and then you you spend the majority of the evening reading together. Oh. And so we've purchased, spoiler alert, your kids are listening, uh, books for all of our kids <laughs> for Christmas Eve. And oh, gonna, great. Kids, turn down them. the radio. Turn it's, down the radio. And incidentally enough, I picked them all up at the Reformation Boise Conference book go. table. Oh, so nice. they're going to get those, and we're going to spend the night reading until late in the evening until we can't keep our eyes open. And then Herman Witsius, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yep. This is I I didn't I married a, a Dutch gal, but she does give books every Christmas to our kids. So there, she must have a little Irish in there. Must must yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's no. I don't know if there's any tradition about books because we give a lot of books in our house. Right. But on uh, on Christmas Eve, uh, we always as it's part of our church too. We do something called Lessons and Carols, mm. which is uh, um, you, we come together as a church. There's The lessons are scripture readings, and then there's we sing carols, songs related to the scripture reading, which follows the promise of a Messiah up until his birth from mm. Genesis chapter 3 through the you know, the promise that comes to Abraham and also, you know, all the way through. So uh, lessons and carols, it's always a wonderful time. You know, there's the carols actually change each year. The scripture remains the same, but it dates back to something that was done uh, by a, an Anglican bishop in the 18, late 1800s uh, when they were meeting in a barn. He wanted a simple Christmas service and created this. And we've just kind of continued it on each year ourselves. Hmm. There's a book um, published by PNR Publishing. I think it's entitled The Incarnation of Christ, and it's a compilation of Advent series of Philip Ryken, Dorian, and Richard Phillips, I believe. And in the back of it has all of these lessons and carols examples. Mm-hmm. So they have three or four of those in the back. So if you're unfamiliar with that tradition, that's a helpful book um, that has kind of these lessons and carols in the back of it, kind of models of what that might look like. Yeah, and we've always done it on Christmas Eve. So this year it'll be a Sunday evening at 6 o'clock at our church. Yeah. 
Very good. Very good. We always do tre- uh, treasure hunts in our in our home, but I'm traveling this year for Christmas. I think this will be the first Christmas in a long time when there is no treasure hunt for gifts. So do you hide all the gifts like throughout the house? We hide all the gifts in one location, and then I draw pictures or write riddles. Excellent. And then that tells them where the next clue is, which then sends them to the next clue, next clue, until they eventually so find the So basically you send them other places first. Yes, yes. <laughs> nice. So it's a... Uh, they go all over the house and garage or wherever else, and they just have to. I don't know what's harder: figuring out my riddles or figuring out what I actually drew. Now, do, you, do you tie that to the historical narrative of the Old Testament? The people of God waiting and looking for the Messiah. Oh, I really should. I should, yeah. I, I can spiritualize it maybe I, next I see year. It. Yeah. I see yeah. it. I see something coming here. And those kids are like behind. You can call the wise men. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> there are some that. Yeah. They would never get to the gifts. <laughs> they don't follow. They get there the, eventually. Yes, yes, yes. They get there eventually. Well, they'd find them because sometimes I hide them in their beds. So then oh. they would find them when they went to sleep at night. But All of this, I'm sorry, listener. <laughs> you weren't tuning in to, to hear our Christmas traditions. You were tuning in to continue the Christological Christmas journey that we're on and dealing with names and titles of Christ. And today we have maybe one of the lesser known titles, but I believe it's also in a Christmas carol. Is this correct? Well, it's the it's the name Dayspring. We'll start with the scripture, and maybe some of the rest of us will be doing work behind the scenes to see if it's also in a Christmas carol. Okay, well, we're going to look at uh, the Gospel of Luke in chapter 1. And in that Gospel, we have a song of Zechariah. Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit. He's prophesying about uh, the one that came. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he He's going to prophesy about what his son, uh, John, uh, who we'll know in Scripture as John the Baptist, will do. And in verse 76 of chapter 1, it says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, and you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, with which... The day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. And so uh, this, this word day spring, actually, if you're looking in your Bibles, it's, a, it's, it's an, actually an archaic term. It's actually a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, a name of, of the Lord. But it, it was a, it's an archaic term for us because it simply means dawn or morning. The ESV is going to use the word sunrise there, but you might recognize it in that Christmas song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O Come, come Thou Dayspring, come and cheer. Our spirits by thy advent here disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow put to flight. And so this idea of of Dayspring is referring to the dawn. It's a calling for the for the true sun, the rising sun, the son of God, to bring and cheer our hearts, to remove the darkness of sin and death. Second Peter 
chapter 1, verse 19, describes the time when the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So when the darkness of our heart is dispelled, when the blackness of sin's night is ended and dawn takes place as we put our trust in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the light of the world. So this idea of, of, the, of the dawning or the sunrise or the day spring, and actually we find it in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 24, 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. And this promised star, this promised light is, in fact, uh, Jesus himself. Revelation chapter 22, verse 16 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I'm the root and descendant of David, the bright and morning star. The idea of this light that comes into the world, the day spring, the morning star, bringing light to our darkness is uh, something that we're seeing throughout Scripture, not always by it's it's a metaphor, but it also a name for for Christ. You know, we're told in John chapter one. We read it uh, yesterday. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So there's there's a number of places where this is ref- where we have reference to this. Only in in John, I mean in Luke chapter one verse seventy eight. Do we have the specific name, Dayspring? And if you take the Song of Zechariah, what you're dealing with is really a covenantal prophecy. So right out of the, the shoot in verse 69, I'm sorry, 68, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Back in verse are down in verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise or the day spring shall visit us from on high. That's, that's actually covenantal language. It's the language of Exodus. The idea at the end of the book of Genesis is that God will visit his people when they're in slavery and bring them out, redeem them. And so what Zechariah is saying is, yes, that was a promise that God made in the Exodus, but it was a deeper promise, a bigger promise than just bringing them out of Egypt. It's the idea that it was there. God is going to visit and bring them out of their sin, bring them out of their captivity, bring them out of their darkness that they were in bondage to, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guard our what our feet into the way of peace. It's the idea that this, if you aren't big on covenant theology, I would encourage you to, to spend some time in Luke chapter one at the, in Zechariah's prophecy, because it is so dense um, with covenant promises, covenant fulfillment, covenant language, Exodus language, but more than Exodus. So I just think it's so terribly rich and I would commend that passage to you just to spend some time there and the two are tied together even in uh the closing verses of malachi you know the final book of the old testament where john the baptist is prophesied of his arrival coming to uh, prepare the way of the lord and to turn the hearts of the fathers to the hearts of the children and so forth but before that the prophecy says in verse two but for you who fear my name the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings 
You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. And in uh, our Bibles, Malachi would be the, the, you know, you're at the end of the the Old Testament. So this would be, in one sense, the last prophecy uh, concerning uh, Jesus Christ that you would read in the Old Testament. And you're in the form in which it's laid out for us here. Actually, the last book was probably uh, Chronicles, but in our arrangement of the Old Testament, it's it's there. So this is actually the last prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, you know, as uh, the the idea of darkness uh, speaks of our of our own depravity, our own sin, and Christ as the day spring or the sun of righteousness. Mm-hmm illumines us with the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus uh, Christ. This was Paul's language in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This would be just a, a plug to not divorce the Old Testament from the New. Yeah, um, there is so much richness that the New Testament authors are picking up on right, right out of the gate, and wanting you to know that when Jesus came into the world, He's coming as the fulfillment of so much that was spoken in the past. And I think you give away some of the richness of the coming of Jesus Christ when we don't understand the foundational texts that point to and illuminate and give us kind of the the layers that are there in the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. So this is just a little plug of read the whole Bible, <laughs> read the Old Testament, all read the, the New, um, and they all come together in, in Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. 